My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the 32nd official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And if you've been following The Riley Rant, you know that we're currently kicking off 2018 with the Bold Move series. If you've been catching up on those previous episodes, you're going to be sort of annoyed because I'm going to give another intro on what the Bold Move series is. But I do this because I realize that everyone is not listening to these episodes maybe back to back to back. And so if you're just joining for the first time, I want to make sure that you have context on what the Bold Move series is, what the acronym means, and what we're trying to ultimately accomplish. So the Bold Move series spun out of previous episodes where I did an analysis of my first year of podcasting. I launched the Riley Rand in January of 2017, and as I looked over the past year heading into 2018, I realized that I could do a better job of, first, having more guests on the show, but then secondly, pushing out content that resonates with millennials and viewers more broadly. And so to address those two goals, more guests and relevant content, I kicked off the Bold Move series, which seeks to document individuals who have taken bold moves recently in their professional and personal lives. And so this is the fourth installment of the series, but our first episode was centered on Jalen Blott, who went from a comfortable corporate job to a pursuit of film and television with the move to L.A., The second episode of the series touched on Hayden Humphrey, who made the move from corporate America to film, photography, and freelancing. The last and most recent bold move was centered on Samir Goyle, who left corporate America and made a move into entrepreneurship. So over the last three episodes within the series, we touched on diverse groups of people who made diverse sets of bold moves. And so to continue with the series, I'm really excited today to have Greg Hammonds come on. He's going to give us information and insight on a bold move that he's recently made. Uh, into motivational speaking, into encouraging and mentoring young people. And so I'm really thrilled to have Greg on for this fourth installment of the Riley Rants Bold Move series. But before I introduce Greg, I want to give you more clarity on what BOLD stands for. The BOLD Move series is anchored by the BOLD acronym. The B stands for breakthrough. It is my belief that when you're thinking about taking a bold move, there's a breakthrough. There's a sudden realization that something needs to change or that you need to take an action. That breakthrough is that B of the BOLD acronym. After you realize that something needs to change in your life or that a move needs to be made, you then go into O, organization. How am I going to organize my thoughts? How am I going to organize my timeline, my framework for achieving this goal? Am I going to do it in two weeks? Is it going to be a three-month or six-month or one-year organizational period? That's really the crux of the strategizing and thinking about how you're going to really make this bold move. After the breakthrough and after organizing, you then oftentimes will L, leverage different perspectives. And when we think about the L bucket, I like to break it up into three different segments. The first is your gut. So you're trusting and leveraging your gut, your internal compass to guide and direct you. The second bucket you may tap into is that of your family and friends or coworkers or mentors who can lend their expertise to give you advice and perspective on the move that you're considering. And then that third aspect of the L, leveraging different perspectives, is the spiritual realm. So leveraging faith or meditation, whatever it may be to help guide you and to really give you a signal and understanding on what makes sense and what's the plan and direction for your life. So that covers the L, leveraging different perspectives. And then you get to the D, determining and deciding on your course of action. How am I going to take the breakthrough that I had, the organizing that I did, the different perspectives that I've internalized to then determine what I'm going to do 
with respect to this bold move. And so with that background, I hope that you're more informed in the bold move series. And I hope you're more informed on what we're trying to cover, how we're trying to inspire people, how we're trying to motivate people to go after what they want in life. But I've been talking a lot in this intro. And so without further ado, it's my great privilege and honor to introduce Greg, Mr. Forever Phase. Greg, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Paul. So very excited to be here with you today. No, thanks for coming on. I think what's so weird about this Bo Moose series and how it's materialized over 2018, I've honestly had people in mind where I'm like, I need to get them on. And it's actually been so crazy how I feel like we're on the same page, some of the guests that I've had on where I'm like, I want this person and this person will randomly reach out or will randomly connect. And they're like, I have to be on this Bo Moose series. And I, I think that's how we sort of crossed paths. I was going to email yeah. you. That week, actually, and you reached out to me and were like, Paul, we have to collaborate. I feel like we're doing similar things. So right. I think that's sort of a signal that this needed to happen. And I'm glad that we got, we found the time to Absolutely. really get the bold like move was, documented. <laughs> it was destined, man. We knew. And I feel like even when we first got to the Bay Area, right, and we connected for the first time, we both had very, like, focused mindsets. And so, like, I remember when you were talking about creating this podcast. So, like, the future was destined for us to collab, to create. And so I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you. And I'm excited to touch on your bold move moving into the motivational and public speaking space. And what I love about your bold move is I think it's so easy to hear stories of people who have taken bold moves. It's so easy to read the autobiography of X, Y, or Z person. And, and those are valuable ways to learn from people, to not make the same mistakes, and to really go about executing on your goals uh, with the learnings that people's stories will provide. But what I love about this episode is I think we're going to take it one step further. We're not only going to document your bold move, but we're also going to take it one step further and leverage some of that motivational speaking, the inspiration that you bring to your, your followers on a daily basis. I'm really excited that we're going to bring that towards the end of the episode so that people can not only hear the story, but now have actionable items that they can take with them to stay motivated and inspired to go after what they want in 2018 and beyond. So looking forward to all that we're going to accomplish in this episode. And to start, would love to get more background on you. I know you were born and raised in Ohio. Walk us through young Greg through Ohio through Ohio State to the Bay Area. What happened in that time? Absolutely. So young Greg started off in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I went to Princeton High School where I was super involved. I was one of those students who just wanted to do it all because I felt like I, I just wanted to accomplish a lot. And so I, in high school, I was in Key Club. I was in Spanish Club. I was in the National Honor Society. I was taking the international baccalaureate classes, doing all of that to show myself that I could do more because I always believed in doing more. And so once it came time to apply for different colleges, it was a very difficult time for me because my family didn't have, you know, tons of money just laying around for me to go to college. And so I was very diligent in looking for those scholarships and, you know, trying to understand what schools not only fit me from a personality standpoint and from a curriculum standpoint, but what matched my budget. Uh, and so once I started to dig into that, right, Ohio State kind of presented itself as a golden ticket in a sense that, it was big. It was huge. And I already told you, I was very involved in high school. I have a big personality. I love being involved. And they looked like they presented tons of opportunities. And so I was just like, okay, check mark there. And then I looked at the financial piece and I was able to secure several scholarships that allowed me to cover the majority of what it would take to be there. And then once I got there, I uh, began being an RA, which also helped me, you know, pay for that. And so it was, you know, a combination of, you know, pulling money from here and taking money from here. And, and I just made it work. And so once I got to Ohio State, um, you know, it was just like, wow, like there's so much here. There are game changes. There are people who are really moving and shaking. And it was a, it's a big school, right? It was like over 50,000 students. And so I feel like when you put yourself in a place that has tons of people doing tons of different things, you're constantly inspired. And that's what I like 
to feed off of, right? I love to feed off of inspiration and I kind of gravitated to different groups. So I remember early on, I thought I wanted to go into politics. I wanted to, you know, be a little political Paul like you. <laughs> and then I figured out very quickly that that's not my life. So what, what, what made you realize that? Because you do have the big personality. You do have an ability to bring people together. How did you begin to cross off like politics and, and how did you yeah. settle on your, your final major? Right. So first politics, right, because I was just like, hey, I want to change the world and changing the world can definitely be done through politics. But then once I got around the curriculum and the professors, I understood that, hey, there's tons of red tape and there's tons of politics not being action. Right. Politics mm -hmm. also having a huge component of building relationships and, and moving slow and not always saying what you want to say. And you just have to really kind of navigate and understand the systems which which cannot which don't always move as fast as I'd like. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you know, that's great. We need people who will be willing to take the time and to, you know, work through all the red tape. But for me, I was just like, I don't think that's necessarily what I want to do. And so I marked off politics. And, and then I went over to, um, you know, I came into college and I had always liked entertainment. I always liked acting and, and um, speech and debate is what I did in high school. And that really helped me kind of like find my voice and understand that I love speaking. I love public speaking. And so I thought about maybe minoring in acting or, or doing some more drama. But once I found out about the business school and I started to understand, you know, that I could get the ability to change the world through business, but also, you know, sort of, sort of tap into that people component with, you know, having to do negotiations and having to work through problems, you still get that interpersonal connection. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like, uh, I wanted to go that route and I sort of checked off or I, I just like put acting um, and like drama on the back burner for a while. And that's something I wouldn't say I necessarily regret because I was always doing some things. And this is kind of how Forever Phase was born, because I always knew that like, yeah, I was, you know, drilling away at business in college. But I knew there was this entertainment piece of me, this acting, this inspirational speaker that I needed to bring forth. And that's kind of how Forever Phase was born. Um, but so I went through college, right, found my major logistics management found my minor, which was Spanish. And that came about because I love the Hispanic culture. I love interacting with different people and breaking down barriers. Mm -hmm. and so once I determined that's what, what that's what I was going to do, I stuck to it. And I said, logistics management is it. I got involved in the Logistics Association, um, aka TLA. I became the president of that. And that was where I really found myself as a leader because I had to run the show, right? I, every uh, Tuesday night, I would facilitate the meetings and I would like take the stage and have all the students, you know, like around me and I would like introduce our speaker for that evening. And I think that was a huge part of me finding out that I love motivational speaking as well. And just speaking to people because you had to connect, you had to work the room and it was my stage. And so I love that. Um, and that's sort of like performance, like you're talking about, it's sort of like you're bringing the drama and the acting yes. into the presentation and bringing these stories to life. Even yeah. if it's just an intro, it's bringing that to life and getting people excited about it. That's cool. And right. so you realized logistics management, minor in Spanish. Walk me to 2015. How do you get to the Bay Area? For sure. So I right before the end of my senior year, I did an internship at Disney. So I was with the ABC television group in broadcast operations and engineering. And in that internship, I flew to New York and was there for a summer. And I absolutely loved it. I was so inspired, so fueled and uh, just knew that I wanted more, even more out of life because I was just like, you know, I've done, I did an internship at General Mills and then going to ABC, I was just like, this is where I want to be. Um, so I came back to school after the summer and started applying to every entertainment company I could think of, you know, every big network I applied. And what I started to notice was that, you know, the roles weren't always 
as open in the sense of what I would be doing didn't have a huge scope. It was like very specific. Mm-hmm. And and the pay was not necessarily like, oh, I would be able to live very comfortably. It, w- it would look more so like I would have to be very financially, you know, um, aware and, and just like I wouldn't have a very comfortable lifestyle for it mm-hmm. to say that. And so I was doing that, but I was committed because I was like, my passion is in entertainment. That's where I need to be. And I got a couple um, offers from those type of jobs, but then also I applied to, I think, or more so companies were reaching out from like CPG, so consumer product good companies were reaching out like, hey, we have jobs too. And then one day, Google reached out and Google was like, hey, we have this rotational program and it's a finance program and you know we think you'd be a good fit. Are you interested in applying? And so I thought to myself, I said, hey, like finance, that's not really me. That's not logistics. And I thought, you know, Google is tech. Uh, I don't know. But then like I, I started doing more research. I'm like, cause I knew, everybody knows Google, but I'm like, I don't really know if I know exactly what they do. So I started to do research on the advertising component of it. And the fact that they own YouTube, which is a huge entertainment piece. Um, then I said to myself, Hey, I need to give this a shot. I need to really understand what this is all about. And so I went through the interview process. I talked to a lot of my mentors about whether I should take like a role at ABC or go to Google. And I really got pushed by a lot of mentors to, hey, to go to Google because they said, you need to grow. You need to develop yourself. And I went and I didn't look back. And so I took the program uh, by storm and I've been in the Bay ever since. No, that's great. Thanks for that that background. And so you have... It seems like you have so many different opportunities. I mean, people would probably kill to be in a position where people are reaching out. Everybody's trying to throw resumes at the job boards, like, pick me, see me. But it's cool to see that in spite of you having so many different opportunities, you were still thoughtful about the ultimate decision. And you didn't just jump at the first offer or the first name or you didn't try to just get it over with. You were really thoughtful about and intentional about the decision that you made. So really cool to hear that. And so when you hear different motivational speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk and others what they sort of emphasize is, yes, you have the 9 to 5, but where the magic happens is in that 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. time frame when you get to work on those passion projects and things that get you excited. And so from your story, it seems like a commitment to what you call forever phase. And even yeah. on your Instagram, your Mr. Forever phase, you have a website based around this. And so we'd like to first, before getting into the breakthrough, just understand what is forever phase. And so I did a little research on forever phase and came across this description. You know, Forever Phase LLC provides top-tier inspirational entertainment to today's youth. Through well-thought-out speeches, monologues, and spoken word pieces, we deliver heartfelt messages that inspire tomorrow's leaders to not simply feel uplifted in a temporary phase, but forever. We empower youth to pursue a higher education while also finding a higher purpose for their lives. And so that seems to encompass what Forever Phase is. You then go on to describe it as a state of mind, a way of life, and how we have to change the way we act, change the things that we do, to ultimately not remain in this temporary phase, but to enter into the forever phase. And so walk us through what forever phase is and where that breakthrough came where you're like, I need to launch this. Absolutely. So forever phase is like you mentioned, it's a state of mind and it's also a way of life. And so it is an inspirational entertainment company that provides this education and this entertainment to youth, right? That is a piece of it. And through that company, through that LLC, I get out there and I speak to youth, uh, Through keynotes, I also deliver workshops on different topics, all targeting the goal of giving youth the empowerment and the inspiration they need to get their goals achieved, right? I want them to think about forever phase and think, yes, if I'm living in my forever phase, I'm constantly thinking about how to get better. I'm constantly analyzing what I'm doing on a daily basis to get closer to my goals. And then they're saying, hey, because I know what I want out of life and because I know the steps I need to take to get there, 
I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do. I'm going to check goals off of my checklist and do what I need to do to get to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. That is what Forever Phase is all about. And so the way it came up was when I was in New York interning at ABC, I felt like, yes, I want to do entertainment, but I kind of knew. I kind of knew that once it would get into recruiting season, I might not find an entertainment job that would pay me the amount that I wanted to be paid in order to live the lifestyle I wanted to live. And so I started to think, hmm, how can I still have this entertainment piece, but then make it bigger than just entertainment? And I said, I should be a motivational speaker because I love this. I like, you know, encouraging people. And I'll also be able to have fun and to entertain. And that's pretty much where it came from, right? The whole concept of me being a speaker and getting out there and providing this content to youth around the world. And so from there, it was just about me hitting the ground running, connecting with my college, connecting with the community and saying, hey, I, I have a story to tell and I want to give you all something to share with the youth in order to help them achieve their dreams. And uh, that's pretty much what it has been. And, and I just continue to get out there in the community to share with youth that, hey, I've done a lot in my life all because I have a mindset that's constantly thinking about what it takes to get to where I want to be. And I have the work ethic to get there. And so that's what I want to share with the world. I really do. And so it seems like that breakthrough came when you're talking about entertainment. It may not be the best path for you or the, the jobs. They require a lot of paying your dues, a lot of maybe free or limited amounts of um, income that you felt would make you comfortable, especially in a city like New York and the entertainment right. industry. So you say, OK, I, I'm not going to do that. But you had a breakthrough that I can still, as I was mentioning before, hit that 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. time frame devoted right. to public speaking, devoted to motivational speaking to inspire the youth. So then you have this breakthrough. How do you organize your thoughts? You said you reached out to your college, but how did you really get started? When did it come around to, oh, I need a website, I need a logo? What is an LLC? How did you factor all of these different things into the organization phase? For sure. So I'll tell you very tactically, it happened all in, in small steps. And, and I am just like so thankful looking at it all today and how it has all come together because it took every small piece of my life in order for it to grow to what it was, to what it is. And so, for example, when I first came up with the concept of Forever Phase, I thought, hmm, I need to immediately take steps to secure the name and to secure the company. And so I created Forever Phase LLC, the limited liability company, and I went through the paperwork and went through the Secretary of State in order to get that official. And then I went ahead and said, hey, because I have this business, I need to secure the website. And so I went on GoDaddy and purchased the website. And so now I have the website, now I have the business. And then I thought, hmm, now I need to actually think about what are my goals? What, what is the vision for Forever Phase? What do I want out of this? And then I created an entire business plan and you know shared it with different people in the community, different mentors of mine, and said, hey, what do you think about this? Does this make sense? I did a competitive analysis of you know people in the field, other public speakers, and services that were similar to mine, and thought, hey, what can I do to push the boundaries and to really stand out as a company. And, and that just caused me to really dig into what the youth need and what I could provide them that other speakers maybe couldn't or that just wasn't in the space that I'm in right now. You know, So I thought I have experience with internship programs you know, way back in high school as well as like now in college and going forward, I'm going to continue to have this perspective that no one else has because everyone is like that. Everyone has a life that is filled with their personal experiences. And so then I started to just kind of put all of that into forever phase in a sense of my content. And, and once I started to build out my content in terms of the topics I talk about, so I talk about branding, I talk about public speaking, I talk about achieving internship success and all of these different topics, I started to fuel them with my personal experiences. And that's what kind of like 
built the library of Forever Phase content. And then it became about once I moved to the Bay Area, okay, how do I actually get in front of these youth? Because now I'm here, I'm in a place that's very innovative, you know, full of young people. How do I do that? So then it's all about connecting with people, making sure you build relationships, making sure you have the brand that people can connect with and making sure they say, hey, I should give him a shot because he obviously is really passionate about what he's doing and he's put in the work to build something. So let's give him a shot. And once you get out there in front of them, you prove yourself, then you can expect for more doors to open. And what was your specific timeline with that? You said you, it seems like it started in Ohio and then you, you said you wanted to build it out in the Bay Area. How long mm-hmm. did it take from the application for the limited liability company to the purchasing of the domain to the establishment of content and audience how long did that take because i think when people talk about these things um especially executives when they're giving motivational speeches they're oh i met such and such i got this job and now i'm here with no sense of like how long it took or the struggles or the ups and downs so what was that journey like in and what was the timeline yeah so timeline i created the company in 2014 and so four years later today it is what it is but you, you know, it was all so slow, honestly. Like I, the only things that happened really fast were like the paperwork portion. So creating uh, the LLC and and that didn't even happen fast. Filing, like filling out the paperwork was pretty quick, but actually getting them to respond and say, yes, you have an EIN. And, you know, that piece took a while, um, maybe a, six months. And then to actually get the website, that was pretty quick, right? I just applied for it. The name was free. It's mine. So that was pretty quick. But in terms of building out my content, that took a lot of time because, you know, for me and for you, I'm sure as well, you want to put out the best portion of you. You want to analyze and, you know, be the, as perfectionist uh, or, or be a perfectionist. Right. And so in order to do that, it takes time to understand if the content is good or not. And so that took a time and you need experience in order to even be able to create the content. So like yeah. I need to live. Right. I couldn't just like start working at Google and then say, hey, I work at Google. Like, let me tell you about it. No, I actually had to go through some things. And um, and I've gone through so much now. And and it's like a constant everyday challenge to think about what will help people most. Like, what can I say that will have the largest impact? Um, and so, like, the whole process is, is very much so like a roller coaster, honestly. It can be super inspiring at some, at some point. So, for example, before I graduated from Ohio State, I spoke to the Columbus Urban League. And there were over 100 students uh, at this event. And it was super nice. I was grateful for the opportunity. But then once I got to Google, it was just like I had no connections in the Bay Area, right? I didn't know anyone. And so getting my first speaking engagement here was a big win. But you don't get that every day or every month, right? And so you have to learn to deal with those ups and downs. And I'm just really thankful for all the work I've done. Because when you get to a point where you don't see the opportunities coming in, you can look at you know your library of work and you can think about what you've done and think about what you have coming up, what, you plan, what you're planning to do, and you get inspired again. And I love that. And it reminds me of that. I don't know if you've seen the photo circulating around the web of the iceberg. And it's basically saying like you see yeah. success above the water in the iceberg, but the iceberg is actually very deep in the yeah. body of water. And what you don't see below the surface is the failures and the, the doubt and the frustration and the setbacks. And I feel like you touched on the fact that, like you're saying, this took four years and you're still iterating and improving. Yep. I mean, people may just see, oh, the website, oh, Greg is speaking, he's doing this, this happened overnight. But it, there were actually a lot of sort of ups and downs, as you were saying, roller coaster ride to get yep. you to that iceberg that's sitting above the water that looks like this successful, majestic thing. Uh, but when you dig deeper, you see there's a lot of sort of, uh, not necessarily pain, but a lot of grit and determination and resilience to keep pushing along, like you were saying, especially when the content, you're trying to gauge if it's resonating, you're trying to gauge if people are receiving it. So I love that you spent that time. And that seems to be a theme throughout your life, 
the organization, like you're really, it seems like you're really thoughtful about, I am choosing a school based on these factors. I'm choosing my job. I have these different offers based on these factors. I'm launching forever phase and I'm doing a competitive analysis based on these <laughs> factors. And I think that that really is unique to your, your story and your bold move, that organization and the rigor at which you investigated your opportunities and your competitors to insert yourself in the market. But when you were talking about the organization phase, you also touched on the L, leveraging different perspectives. And you talked about how you took your business plan, your desired content, you shopped it around to mentors. Yes. Who else did you leverage with the creation of your website? Who else did you leverage in the initial phases of the forever phase in order to get things started? Absolutely. So I would say that there are a lot of people, honestly, who I've leveraged. So for example, prior to making a decision to go to Google, I had you know, recruiters and managers at ABC television who I talked to about making that move. But then in terms of forever phase, I really leaned on primarily my family uh, mm-hmm. to give me the, the most honest advice at, up front. And so I say that because that's who I could go to as a safe space and, and to get their honest feedback. So when I first created the company, right, I was wondering, like, what should I have as the logo and, and what makes sense? And I actually do remember on my phone, like creating little doodles of like an F and a P. And, and I would take that to my little sister, like, Taylor, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, mom, what do you think about this? And, and they would like give me feedback. And then once I got started like creating my business plan, I would take it to my mom and my dad and my sister and say, hey, does this make sense? Do you think I could be competitive? Would you buy this? Right. And and I think like leaning on my family at first was super helpful because it made me not be afraid to hear the no's and to hear like, Greg, that doesn't make sense. And you need to be willing to, to take in that information mm-hmm. uh, and to, you know, internalize it and to analyze it and then produce something that's better. Because if you go straight to right a mentor who you have from high school, that might make your situation a little more intense because if they just tell you no up front, you might take it personal. But I feel like with family, it allowed me to, you know, understand that this was coming from a loving place and then act on it. Uh, and so I would say also in high school, right, I did this internship uh, academy and I have a mentor from that academy. And his name is Mr. Lewis. And I definitely shipped my idea to him and, and went through everything with him and told him what I wanted to do. And he was super supportive. And he uh, just like gave me advice that was very honest and and he didn't hold back. Right. He told me, hey, Greg, this is going to be a lot of work. This is going to be hard. You're not going to you know, create the company and have success tomorrow. And that's stuff you need to hear as an entrepreneur, because as you mentioned earlier, there is a lot of grit. There is a lot of late nights and there is some pain because you feel hurt when you feel like you've invested the time and the energy in something that doesn't just you know, get received very well by everyone who sees it. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be willing to deal with that because it's going to come. It's a part of life. And I think he really helped me with understanding that process. And I, I don't know if you've heard the analogy of, I see it on social media a lot and in friend groups where they're like, always check on your strongest friend because the person you're leaning on, you have to make sure that they have someone else to lean on. And I sort of use that as an analogy to basically say, for you jumping into this motivational public speaking space, I know you've leveraged your family, you've leveraged mentors, but in terms of motivating you, who motivates the motivator? You know, who gives you inspiration to keep pushing forward? Because you're doing this for everyone else. How do you replenish and restore your inspiration and your motivation and your desire to keep going forward? Are there figures? Are there um, public speakers like Tony Robbins, Les Brown? Who, who is it for you that really motivates and inspires you? Sort of like that that's strong great. friend analogy. Yeah, that's a great question. That is really a great question. And for me, I have really taken to make sure, you know, my life is healthy and uh, just like all the way around, I am being 
I guess I would say, so for me personally, right, I like to think of my life in different sections. And so I think of like my physical life, my spiritual life, my personal life. And I think when you think about your situation in those different components, you have different people and different things that fuel you. So for personally, I look at God and say, hey, God, like I need you every day. Right. I need you every day, all day. And I lean on him for, you know, the inspiration and I lean on him for guidance because you don't know what's to come and, and what the world will present you with. And so he has been a huge component of everything that I do, right? So I definitely lean on God. And then I love looking at, you know, the students and the people I'm speaking to. When I'm speaking, this is so powerful for me. And, and I, it's kind of, it might sound selfish because it's just so, I, I love it. It's like a, like a revitalization every time I'm speaking because I know that like someone, no matter if it's everyone or 50% of the audience, someone will take something I say and act on it or, or think about it and, and hopefully it'll change their life. And knowing that is just so great of a feeling for me. And then in terms of just like other speakers who inspire me, I love watching inspirational content. So I love Oprah Winfrey. I've always loved Oprah and just her content. Her Super like, Soul Sunday and, and all of that. Yes, Super Soul Sunday. I actually went to uh, she had this event in Atlanta before I graduated called the Life You Want Weekend. I went there and like was just like in her presence and it was just great. So Oprah is definitely one of my top inspirations. Uh, Les Brown, definitely watch him. Eric Thomas, um, the hip hop preacher, he's tons of inspiration. Joel Osteen, gotta love him. Um, I really like Iyanla Von Zant, and I also really appreciate Patricia McLeod, who was like one of the first inspirational or motivational speakers that I uh, came across at um, a convention when I was in high school. So she was super dope. So it seems like you have that covered from family to the spiritual realm, God to leveraging the web to gain insight and inspiration from some notable figures uh, that we all know. So it seems like you're covered in that L, the leveraging different perspectives. And so you go through your breakthrough. I'm not doing entertainment. I'm going to work at Google, but I still want to pursue this public speaking. You then organize over two, three, four years, getting the, the paperwork for the LLC, Limited Liability Company, getting the business plan, understanding the competitors, taking that to mentors. You then leverage the different figures that we talked about. How did you then decide on your course of action, and how are you continuing to determine your strategy going forward? What has changed from 2014 to 2018, and how are you envisioning growing the forever phase. You note in a YouTube video on your website, sort of describing forever phase, that you want this to go global and you want to be on every platform. And so what steps are you taking now to realize those goals? Great question. So what has changed from 2014 to now in terms of forever phase is my commitment. I would say in a nutshell, it's my commitment. It's my commitment to understand who I am as a person, which correlates to what I can provide in my speeches and in my talks. And so I understand every component of my life and I really analyze it and try to take as much inspiration from it as possible so that I can say, hey, someone might be inspired by this piece. Someone might be motivated by this piece. And I'm constantly collecting that content so that I can prepare to release it and to share it with the world. So that is a portion of my commitment. And then it's about me looking at forever phase in terms of everything that it can be. And so when I think about going global, which is definitely a goal of mine, I'm thinking right now, what is the world going to look like in 10 years? What is the world going to look like in 20 years? And how can I make sure Forever Face is set up to be a major player in that space? And so I'm right now doing a lot of research on, uh, you know, what does it mean to be a great motivational speaker? What does it mean to give people the tools so that they can actually act on their dreams? And how do you just actually quantify that impact? Because I want to be able to say, yes, I spoke, but I can also say that lives were changed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking about different ways that I can, you know, implement strategies and go forward to be able to track 
everything that I'm doing. Uh, and I, I'm also really making sure that I constantly put out content. And so it's not, I remember, you know, in 2014 and 2015, I would love just saying, yes, I am a motivational speaker. I've done X, Y, and Z and I'm, you know, I'm here. So if you need services, call me. But now it's more so about making sure I'm in the community and I am putting out content that people can relate to and that people actually want to see. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, on Martin Luther King Day, I went out into the community in Oakland and I met the um, Youth Going Green group and I've been working with them consistently. I went and spoke at their uh, Crayon Crushers conference about mentorship and and doing activity like that makes me realize, hey, Greg, you're taking this seriously. You are truly being committed to Forever Phase and you're making it a part of your life. It's not just you know, something I'm doing on the side that is not important. It is fully a part of my life. I go to work, I come home forever phase, right? And so that commitment is what is the difference. And I wonder if you've heard of, I know we talked about this prior to recording, uh, but Gary Vaynerchuk, he's someone that I follow uh, on LinkedIn and on Instagram and things of that sort. And he sort of touches on what you're talking about in terms of embedding yourself in the community. Now, you're literally doing that by going to different events, inserting yourself into those spaces. But he also has a great recommendation of what he calls the one dollar and eighty cent strategy and so we're all familiar with the saying i'm just giving my two cents well he argues that if you're on a platform like instagram and you want to raise awareness and Jalen blot was talking about this in his episode of the very first installment of the boat move series where he's talking about if you want to be say a catwalker you need to be on instagram facebook with pictures of you walking cats videos of you taking care of cats so that you can build that brand awareness and gary vanichuk is sort of talking about this too with the dollar eighty cent strategy where he basically says Whatever you want to break into, so in your case, it's motivational speaking, look for 10 hashtags that are relevant to your business model. So maybe hashtag motivation, hashtag inspiration, hashtag public speaking, hashtag advice, whatever it may be. Find 10 of the most relevant hashtags for your business. And then he argues that within those 10 hashtags, you need to search for the top nine posts within those different hashtags. And on each of those top nine posts, you drop your two cents. Oh, love this idea. Have you thought about this? We should collaborate. This looks amazing. Oh, I love that. I saw that there. Did you think about that? Dropping your two cents 90 times gets you that dollar and 80 cents. And that's how he argues that if you can do that on a daily basis, that may be time intensive for people who work, but his argument is if you can do that on a daily basis, you can begin to build brand awareness because the top contributors in that space are gaining insight into who you are. The people who follow those top individuals are getting exposure to the, the content and the two cents you're providing, and that allows for the business to expand and to grow. And so I don't know if you've heard of that, but I think that as you talk about putting on more content, that you're, you're moving in that direction. For sure. I would totally agree. And I would say that I have been you know, making it a point to engage more with the people on my Instagram page and engaging with the students who I speak with, because a lot of them come up to me after I speak and they're like, hey, Greg, you know, what can I personally do to achieve this specific goal? Or what can I do to make sure I'm not falling into peer pressure? Because I know a lot of my friends are doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice? And building that engagement so that they know that they can come to me for advice and they should follow my page and ask me questions is something I think will definitely make the brand a lot stronger. And speaking of advice, while we still have you, and I know that we're getting closer to the end of the episode, would love to sort of share with the listeners of the Riley Rant advice that you have along these different verticals. So you talk about how you cover areas of professional development, brand management, public speaking. Maybe in in the last few minutes of the episode, would love to get your perspective on these three different topics to really inspire people. Because what I talked about at the top of this episode is, yes, we wanted to document your bold move, understand how you created Forever Phase and motivational public speaking. But it's also great to not just hear stories, but to have actionable insight and advice. And so would love to, in the, in the final minutes, just get your sense of what are things that our listeners should be thinking about when it comes to 
first, I start with professional development. What do you tell people when you speak to them? Yeah, so in terms of professional development, you need to understand what your strategy is, right? And understand that when you get into the corporate world um, and you want to become the best professional you can be, you need to know your skills. What do you have that you can leverage that makes you a key player in the business's strategy? Because once you know what you possess that no one else really has, you know, the ability to do quite like you can, you can make that shine. You can make it shine very bright and you can use that and just show tons of value. Because at work, it's all about producing value. It's all about producing value and building relationships. If you have good relationships that people know that they can count on you and they want to be around you, they like you as a person and you can put out great work then you're a winner. You are a winner and you're walking in that forever phase because you're constantly thinking about, hey, what do I need to do to get better in my work strategy and my work ethic? And what do I need to do in order to expand my circle of people who I influence? So I would say, you know, being a great professional means having a great work ethic and building great relationships. And I don't know if you've heard of Susan Calatano. She gave a TED talk where she's basically touching on some of those topics around the career advice you probably have never received. And she basically talks about and she's focusing on women, but she says it's applicable to both men and women. She's talking about how when you enter the professional development landscape or when you enter your career, we oftentimes prioritize being a team player, engaging with others, making sure that people are heard. But what she found through sort of studies and analysis is that women in particular struggle to break into the C-suite and executive leadership. And she says they sort of get stuck in the middle. And she attributes that to what she claims is the missing 33%, which is the fact that people are prioritizing relationships and, and relationship building and collaboration, which are all important, but they're mm-hmm. missing that 33%, which is focused on financial acumen, understanding the business code, and then aligning your work to those goals that are tied to the business's financial and fiscal health going right. forward. And so I love that point you're talking about where it's like align your goals to the professional landscape but then understand how your work directly impacts. It's not enough to have a great personality. It's not enough to be a team player. You have to demonstrate how the work that you're doing is adding to the bottom line. So I love that that was a similar work stream. But I know you also talk about brand management. What do you usually tell people in the brand management realm? Yeah, so in terms of your brand, you got to own your brand. You got to know your brand. You got to love your brand. And so I let people know that your brand is both personal and professional, right? Have both and know both. So professionally, understand who you are at work. Are you a senior executive? Are you uh, an incoming associate, right? Know your role. What role are you meant to be playing and play it well, you know, because once you understand if your role is to, for example, support someone who's more senior than you, that's what you need to do. And you make sure you are ahead of the ball in terms of what they'll even need. And so developing yourself in that space and just saying, hey, like this is who I am is a key part in every day of your life at work. So when I say that, I mean, you know, wake up and the type of work that you produce should be correlated to that brand. The way you behave in meetings should correlate to that brand because you need to know that like people are always watching and they're looking at you and they're looking for what you can provide and who you are so that they can always have that idea in their mind associated with you. And I also tell people to think about their personal brand because when you go out into the community and you're with your friends, right, and you're with, you know, the people who you love to hang out with, you are developing a brand there too, right? So what you're doing there is also a direct reflection of who you are. And if you want to be known as the person who is right, always doing things in the community that is positive and I'm always giving back, then I should see you you know, with these philanthropic organizations giving back, right? I shouldn't see you doing things that I would kind of question as to if you are actually that type of person. And so manage both your personal and professional brand. And what's also interesting is psychology shows that People start, you know, judging you within the first, I think it's 15 seconds. 
And it's mm-hmm. very hard over the course of time to change people's initial impressions of you. And so there is a small window to act on that brand. And I love that you separated the professional and the personal because you have to show up in different ways. Right. You can be true to yourself while understanding the different environments that you have to navigate on a daily basis. Let's do one more. I know you touched on public speaking. What advice do you give to people who are you know, thinking about or want to integrate public speaking more into their life? They may need it for their job. They may need it, you know, to build those relationships. What, what do you tell people when you speak to them? Absolutely. So with public speaking, I say that it is definitely something that everyone can work at getting better at. And there are various ways you can do this. You can start in very small ways. So, for example, whatever your lifestyle is, think about moments where you have to interact with people. And it may not even need to be a big group. When do you have to talk to two or three people at a time in order to communicate a message? Think about those interactions and make sure you get as many as possible. So, for example, if I work in a desk job and at times I need to break news or just share information with the three people who sit around me so that we can all continue working on the same project. Make sure that moment in which you're speaking to them, you're looking at all of them, you're pacing between them, you're speaking in a way that makes sense and is um, coherent, right? And you are doing things that just like get the message across as quickly as possible. And I think that once you start to find those different interactions that you have with people, multiple people, in speaking, you can just really seize the opportunities and take advantage of them. But if you are looking to actually like get on stage and take those bigger opportunities, you need to seek them out. You need to, you know, find those places where you can be yourself and not feel like you're going to be ridiculed or put down if you make mistakes because everyone does it. And a great place that I personally found to be my safe space for public speaking practicing is Toastmasters. So I was president at Google of a of a Toastmasters club. And it was phenomenal. I loved it so much. And it gave me the opportunity every single week to come back and practice my public speaking, to look at the number of ums, the number of ahs, the, you know, what have you, to look at my body language and my tone of voice and to analyze all of that to make sure I'm being the best public speaker. So I would definitely recommend whatever your situation is, talk more to people, to multiple groups of people, seek out those opportunities. And if you know of a Toastmasters near you, get involved. And for those that aren't familiar, Toastmasters is a public speaking group that meets, they have a bunch of different chapters in San Francisco and across the country. And it's basically established roles uh, throughout a meeting. And you have sort of someone who's the leader of the meeting, facilitating the agenda, the dialogue. You have people who count, like you were saying, the ums and the ahs. And they also have a track for developing your speaking ability from competent communicator. There are about 10 different speeches you have to give. Then you become an advanced communicator. And they have different ways to track your progress and curriculum to help you advance in the public speaking. So as Greg mentioned, if you're interested in public speaking, would encourage you to check out Toastmasters. And I think even a shower in the mirror as places to get started, uh, to get your voice heard. But Greg, thank you so much for coming on to the Riley Rand. Thank you for sharing inspiration through the work that you're doing, through your bold move, uh, while still being in corporate America, focusing how to get Forever Face LLC, a motivational platform to inspire the youth to realize their true potential across professional development, brand management, and public speaking. I love the nuggets that you gave in the final minutes of this episode. And I know that many people may want to continue to learn from you and leverage your big personality to go after the things they want in life. Where can we find you across Instagram, uh, your website? How can we find you so that we can continue getting the content that you claim you're pushing out more of? So I, I want to yeah. see more, and I'm excited to to see the different inspiration that you provide, not only in the coming days and weeks, but uh, throughout 2018, as you were saying, in the 10 and 20 year time frame when you're positioning Forever Face to still be a pivotal player. So where can we find you? Yes, the people can all stay connected to your boy, Mr. Forever Face, <laughs> on many platforms. So on Instagram, it's at 
Mr. Forever Phase. On Twitter, it's at Mr. Forever Phase. On Facebook, it's Forever Phase LLC. And you can check out my website, www.gregoryhammons.com. And the way you spell Hammons is H-A-M-M-O-N-S, no D. A lot of people like to throw the D on there. And just connect with me, right? I'm so excited. I love people. I love empowering and inspiring. If you know of youth who need a workshop, send them my way. And we can, you know, get it done because I'm here and I'm ready to motivate. Let's go. And the Mr.'s MR is not fully spelled out, right? It's MR. Exactly. MR. Yeah. MR forever phase. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to this 32nd official episode of the Riley Rant, where we're continuing and pushing forward with the Bold Move series with a touch of inspiration at the end. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for sticking with the Riley Rant as we celebrate one year of pushing out content and hopefully the start of many more years to come. As is noted in the intro, this is the Riley Rant where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's the Riley Rant. Thank you.